Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Matt Chat. This is David Maricatani. Today we are doing a special NCAA Division I preview with my main man from Amsterdam, the king of the keyboard, the sultan of the storyline, most importantly, Sophie's Choice, Andy Hamilton. Good to finally be live with you, man. How are you? Doing great, David. Welcome to Cleveland. Yes, sir. I got in about an hour ago, um, working about three hours of sleep for the last week, getting done with our charity event. But we're here. We're at the big show. It's, it's, it's go time, right? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, wrapped up Division Three NCAA championships here Saturday night, uh, just uh, across the parking lot or, or across uh, the convention center on the other side of the convention center here. We're recording at the Hilton up on the 30th floor. You said that there were some epic finals matches there. There were some incredible finals. 125-pound uh, match, uh, Jay Albus from Johnson & Wales, first NCAA champ in school history, was cruising up 9-1, uh, 20 seconds into the third period, in complete control against Wheaton's Carlos Fuentes, got hip-tossed to his back. Um, Fuentes... He came off his back, then Fuentes hooked up a bow and arrow and was starting to take him over, and it was ruled uh, potentially dangerous and stopped. Uh, at that point, Alba, or, uh, Fuentes cut him loose, and somehow, some way, uh, Fuentes ended up with another point, uh, a, mis- a mystery point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuentes scores a takedown with 40 seconds to go. It's, it's, tied, tied, it's yeah. tied 10-10 on the board. I'm following, yeah. And... Looks like this thing's going to get away from Jay Albus. He gets up and gets gets an escape with about five seconds to go to win, 11-10. So, it's a Shane Sparks uh, school of wrestling, score first, score last. <laughs> it was it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Probably the, the wildest NCAA title match I've seen since uh, Rob Roan was on the verge of getting pinned against Josh yes. Lambrecht yeah. and uh, hit yeah. the cement mixer cement and pinned him. And he was there for a long time before yeah. that. That's a tough one to yeah. call. You don't, you want to make sure he, he's there the full second plus. Absolutely. Yeah, Albus <laughs> wasn't on his back for too long, but uh, boy, he looked like he was in deep trouble there. And especially when you look up, and it's ten uh, ten with forty seconds to go, and all of a sudden, like you know, an eight point lead has disappeared in a minute. Yeah, the stress level of losing a lead like that is it makes it even worse in terms of your cardio and fatigue. Yeah, level, yeah, sure. but uh, yeah, all the like a lot of the finals were really entertaining. I mean, thirty three was a an action packed match. Forty one, same thing, a ten seven match, uh, a major at forty nine, a one one overtime match uh, at fifty seven that was back and forth, and both guys gave themselves plenty of opportunities to score. Uh, dominant performance. Uh, from Lucas Chesky, the tournament OW from Augsburg at 165, 174. Um, 174 is a competitive match. 184, Jordan Newman won his second in, uh, Division Three NCAA title. Uh, 197, Kyle Fank of Wartburg looked really good. And then heavyweight was another wild back-and-forth match. Guy coming, having to come from behind, Jake Evans of Waynesburg, first uh, – First NCAA champ in Waynesburg history. Nice. Uh, so it started and ended with programs winning their first E3 titles. It's good for wrestling, right? Yeah. It's good yep. for wrestling. And, you know, it, it's a whole thing. Kids can go to multiple schools and achieve their goals. And, you know, sometimes maybe you're not – when you get there, you're not good enough to start at that big program. You go to a place where you can get mat time in. There's more than one way to get to the top. So that's great. Let's dig into the 10 D1 brackets. We're going to run through, you know, the matchups and kind of what some things should people look for. And maybe maybe we'll talk about a prediction or two. So 125, when you look at the, the seeds in the top quarter bracket, Darian Cruz is one, Lezak eight, and Ronnie Bresser nine. Second quarterback, uh, second quarter bracket, Sean Fawes five, Louis Hayes 12, Moisey 13, Nick Suriano the four. We'll talk about that. Two undefeated guys. On the top half, Spencer Lee's the three, Welch 14. To me, a very interesting 11-6 matchup. Sean Russell, Piccinini, Taylor Lamont, Sebastian Rivera, the 7-10. And then Milhoff, an All-American, uh, is the 15 versus Tomasello. When you first saw the brackets, Andy, what jumped out to you? Uh, Suriano at four and Spencer Lee at three. I thought uh, just in my mind the way I, th- I I thought it would go would be the other way around. Uh, but uh, I think one of the themes that you'll see throughout the brackets is that uh, 
Uh, the committee really docked the guys who did not wrestle out their conference tournaments. conference tournaments. Yeah, sure. and Suriano defaulted out to sixth at the Big Ten Championships. Uh, Spencer also has, you know, some, you know, he's got some a ton of dominating wins. He's got the win over uh, Tomasello, which is a, is a big feather in his cap too. So I think that probably helped his cause as well. But uh, yeah, that was that was the first thing, and I also kind of wondered where they would put Bresser from the standpoint that uh, you know he does have that win over Spencer Lee at the Midlands and uh, avenged his loss to Milhoff in the Pac-12 finals. Uh, so those were those were a couple ones, and also uh, Lezak sitting down there at the eight was um, a little bit of a surprise. But he also owns, or, or excuse me, Taylor Lamont as the seven owns a victory over Lezak the eight. Yeah, for sure. And I think if you look at Spencer Lee's path, it's not an easy one. But it's he hasn't, you know, if he would wrestle the guys that are seated ahead of him, he's got Welch at fourteen, then Piccinini at six, and then you know Tomasello at two. None of those are really particularly easy matches, but he has wins over all those guys. You know, you and I have spoken about it on uh, Weighing In, where he seems to not always have the best third periods. It'll be interesting to see if Piccinini wrestles him, wrestles him, if he can, you know, hold it a little bit closer. And Tomasello, if, you know, that coin toss on who gets to defer, if hypothetically that match goes 0-0, does Lee pick top? Just, I assume Tomasello will probably go neutral again. So Spencer's got a couple different paths to victory. If one one thing I would say about Spencer real quick, uh, sorry to interrupt, no, David, but, uh, you know, the one big question, and we've talked about it uh, time and again on the show, uh, you know, just wondering, you know, the, the second day weigh-in because we, we only saw him do it once. And, you, you know, you mentioned the third periods where, uh, you know, he would build humongous leads in the first two periods and then uh, – Hang on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, – <laughs> He wouldn't cl- like, like if he didn't end it in the first period, then it, it got to the second. Then you were seeing like the tide shift a little bit in the end, and he still went in comfortably. But uh, you know, you have that question in your mind, and, and he lost the second day weigh in uh, against Bresser at the Midlands. That was uh, his first loss of the season, and so I, I that was a question in my mind. I'm not sure I've seen him wrestle better this season than what he did on the second day of the Big Ten Championships coming back and and uh, throttling Rivera and Welch, uh, looking looking really impressive in the process. I, I think, um, you know, maybe the best I've seen him look all year was was at Conso Semi against uh, Sebastian Rivera in the, at the Big Ten Championship. So I think that that's one question that has been erased from my mind going into this tournament as far as Spencer Lee goes. You know, I was studying the brackets on uh, the plane ride up here, and you know, one of the things that struck me is if we had a defending undefeated champ with getting less due, less credibility than Darian Cruz. The only guy that I would have compared him to would be about a maybe a month ago, Imar. You know, we talked about that on the show a few times, just how it, it's been really strange how Imar has missed. You know, with with the Big Ten loaded with landmines, Imar has stepped around them or, or <laughs> they have missed him. Right. In, in, on the schedule this year, just it's been funny how it's worked out. You know, you got nine guys who the ninth seed was, uh, I, I believe, at the Big Ten Championships was Tashawn Campbell, right? Who's been ranked in the top ten? Yeah, I think his high highest seventh for us this year at I one point. So. Yeah, and uh, you know, you would think with eight other high caliber guys that Imar would hit a bunch of them this year, and, and it's just been funny how it worked out. I mean, Marinelli was hurt coming back from the injury when mm-hmm. when Iowa wrestled Illinois. Uh, Richie Lewis. Um, I think was sick when, when Illinois wrestled yeah. Rutgers. Uh, Imar wasn't, uh, I think Imar was dealing with some stuff in Midlands That's time. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just been really wild how it's, how it's worked out that way. And, and uh, you know, he didn't, you know, all, all of a sudden we look up in February, you know, we've done 15, 16 shows at that point in the season. And we're we like, wow, we, we haven't talked that much about yeah. Imar this year. Well, I think it's interesting. So let's go to the semi. If you had to guess the semis, if Chalk would be Cruz, Suriano, Lee, Tomasello, to me, those have been the four dominant guys all year once Lee came out of red shirt. Do you see anybody breaking into that top four before Friday night? I want to see what we get out of Nick Suriano. Uh, he looked good in his one match at the Big Ten Championships uh, against uh, Travis Petrowski of Illinois, I think at nine, two with four plus minutes of riding time. But, uh, I want to see, uh, potentially him against Moise or, or him against Foz. 
I think that uh, he, you know, Soriano's obviously a, an elite wrestler, an elite talent, um, but he also missed a month in the season. They're out of competition. What, what do we get from him on the comeback? Uh, so th- th- that's one that I have, have my eye on. Can, you know, I think, I think uh, both sides of this bracket are tremendously fascinating. You've got uh, Cruz, returning champ. Uh, Bresser has been like super hard to take down this year. I think you can count the number of takedowns he's given up on one hand for sure. Yeah. Uh, wrestled, uh, uh, what, Suriano, Lee, and Dayton Fix and did not allow a single takedown. So, right. so there's also, uh, you know, Lee Zach, um, returning finalist, a guy super tough on top, uh, who, you know, got teched by Tomasello in the regular season, then came back and it was a match in the Big yeah. Ten Championships. Yeah, so. I watched that. Yeah, I, I to me the uh, pitching in the league quarterfinal I think could be a fascinating one too. So two guys that are good on top, and Spencer always seems to get that first takedown. So if you uh, if you had to pick two finalists, do you, who do you got? Oh boy, I'm not uh, I'm not a big prediction guy, but uh, I. I haven't even really thought about this, David. I haven't even marked up a bracket, but um, man, boy, that's a really tough one. Probably, that's a really, who do you have? Who do you have on the, uh, coming through on the top? It's probably a good segue to talk to those folks about the folks at FantasyGrade.com, though, right? You could, right? Because they're doing that Ultimate Fantasy Wrestling Challenge live here Wednesday night in Cleveland, or in the online version. And so there's going to be people filling these brackets out, going through who they think is value on the backside, so people can go to FantasyGrade.com slash uh, the Ultimate Fantasy Wrestling Challenge and join either the live event or the online event. I, I'm a guy that, you know, believes in guys that have gotten there before. So, to me, it's it's Cruz and Tomasello. It's awfully chalky. But, you know, they, you know Tomasello's 3-1-3. Cruz, you know, was one last year. But definitely, there's going to be some great matches. Neither one of these guys going to have a cakewalk to the finals. For sure. So let's jump to 33 here. So, um, Seth Gross is the one. Uh, Gustafson, who had a great ACC nine, Montori Bridges eight, John Ernest, he got the five. I think he would have been even higher if he had uh, obviously beaten Cade Brock. Cade Brock's the four. I think we have to talk about that possible quarterfinal matchup. Luke Pletcher three, uh, Corbin Myers fourteen, Dom four is eleven, Scotty Parker six, uh, Austin DeSanto seven, Jack Mueller ten. Not a great matchup for DeSanto. Uh, Ali Nazir fifteen, and then. Uh, Stevan Misic at two. So I'll kind of lay this out for folks. If the quarterfinals were chalk, you got Gross, Bridges, Ernesty, Brock, Pletcher, Parker, DeSanto, uh, Misic. But DeSanto would have to get by Jack Mueller, who's beaten him pretty handily in a controlled fashion a couple times. So three times. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And he hasn't scored a, he didn't score a point in the first two. I don't, I can't remember the third one, but, uh, and I consider Seth gross undefeated. I mean, yeah, he's a one, yeah. three, obviously. So kind of a significant favorite. Uh, I'll tell you what I think jumps out to me is most interesting matches. Ernesty Brock possible quarterfinal where we talked about it. Both guys seem to pick the wrong position to actually win the match. And uh, you'll see the, we'll see the adjustments that are made. When you look at this bracket, what uh, what jumps out to you? Well, you called it a week ago on our, our uh, weighing in episode, and actually in the rankings we talked about it when when the conference tournaments shook out that uh, DeSanto at seven, Mueller at ten, was not what Austin DeSanto wanted to see, probably, and so. Uh, yeah, that's a that's an interesting matchup there. And Mueller, a guy who was in the semifinals last year at 125, uh, capable of uh, maybe upsetting the apple cart here a little bit at uh, at 133. So that that's one uh, pretty interesting there. The Ernesty seed, you thought that uh, when he lost that match against Cade Brock in the dual meet, that that was really going to be costly for him in the seedings. It, it hurt him a little bit. He might have been the three. He doesn't really have a super high-quality win. You know, so it's it's interesting, and he's got a loss to uh, Mueller pretty convincingly. You know, I, I, it's interesting how they seeded this bracket for sure. I think Josh Terrell's a dangerous twelve, don't you? Yeah, yep, for sure. And his style with Ernesty, they're very, very conflicting. You know, one is a high flyer, another guy's not the best on his feet, but he'll grind you out, beat you up on top. That five twelve matchup's going to be intriguing to, to watch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you think of. Uh... 
Terrell's brother David and the run that he made here a couple of years ago. And Josh is a similar type of wrestler. And and you you don't get a chance like the other. One of the advantages that he has is a lot of these other guys, the, the other 32 guys in the bracket, um, are are not is uh, that type of of yeah. wrestler as him. And he's he's accustomed to wrestling uh, yeah, more of a styles. traditional style. <laughs> yeah. Whereas he's a different feel. Uh, you know, with the judo background and all the dangerous stuff that he has in his arsenal. And I think that that's a, a tremendous advantage for him. Plus he's, you know, when you've got dangerous stuff, you're never out of any match. Yeah. My, my dad's eight degree black belt in judo. And so he taught us a lot of those, Hey, if, you know, you get some hip pocket moves, you know, and normally a lot of guys, you shoot on their legs and you get, they push you down and you bring a guy up into your hips once in a while. And their tendency is to come into you to lock up tighter. Well, if you're good at judo, it's actually what you want. You want to be attached. When your hips are attached to theirs, the techniques get a lot easier. And so when you're wrestling Terrell, like you said, it's almost like fighting a southpaw in MMA. You know, or somebody who does something kind of a little bit different. You know, like like you said. Hitting the knuckleballer. Yeah, yep. yeah there you go, yeah. You know, that knuckleballer is, you know, facing the guys that bat traditionally, and they these guys got to make the adjustment. So do you see it being gross uh, and against uh, – do you see a bro, uh, Cade Brock gross rematch in the semi? Uh, that, that's what, uh, when the bracket first came out, that was my initial inclination. Uh, but uh, as you mentioned, that Ernestine match with him was wild. Uh, and, and I don't think Cade Brock has a gimme out of the gate either with Dylan Duncan, a guy that finished uh, third at the Big Ten Championships. So there, there are a lot of guys, I think, that can come through this. But uh, certainly Seth Gross has established himself as the guy to beat here, a clear number one. Uh, particularly on the top side there. And he didn't get a great draw, though, because Schmidt wrestled him to below a major and McKee wrestled him to a decision as well. So not an ideal draw for the number one seed. Yeah, yeah, potentially wrestling a junior world silver medalist in round two. Yeah, and Ali Nazir, who's, uh, you know, beating Coleman Scott. <laughs> no. Oh, he's on the bottom side, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, no, I right. mean no, Mitch no, McKee, yeah, the, yeah. The one and two seeds didn't get great draws. Right, 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 right. Yep, yeah. yep. I mean, Gross gets McKee and Misich gets Nazir. I yep. Mitchich has been lights out though here in the last we've talked about that time and again for the last three months, just at the you know, the way that he's been wrestling since the calendar flipped to twenty eighteen. He's been amazing, yeah, for sure. You jump to one forty one, I think one of the most intriguing brackets for us, uh followed by probably one of the least intriguing brackets. <laughs> so we got Bryce Meredith the one, Nick Lee the eight, Kevin Jack coming off the ACC loss, only dropped a spot to five. Joey McKenna, four. Yanni D, the three. Dean Heil, six. Brock Zacherl, seven. Would have been really interesting what seed he would have gotten had he been undefeated. And then you got Jaden Ironman as the two. Um, To me, the first thing when I saw this was Yanni, Dean, quarterfinal. Old school, changing of the guard, possibly or not. Dean Heil, St. Edwards guy. Guy finds a way to get it done. Not the prettiest. A lot of people criticize the the how, but you cannot criticize the what. The guy's been consistent at the big tournament as much as anybody. Looked a lot more like himself at the Big 12s, even though he lost. Uh, I, I got to assume this is going to be a match you're going to have your eyeballs on. Yeah. Uh, obviously, some work to get there, though, right? I mean, yeah. you know, Pohlmeyer, you saw him at the the Big 12 Championships. You were impressed with him on top. And, and uh, Mike Carr sitting there as the 11 seed in that match above Dean Heil on the right. line above him. Mike Carr in the Big Ten Finals beat Nick Lee. I don't think that that's a, a gimme by any stretch for Dean Heil. Right. Uh, so, so that's one to keep an eye on. There are, there are some – Really compelling matches all over this bracket. I look at the quad with Brock Zacherl and Chad Red, Tommy Thorne and Mason Smith. There's gonna be a pretty good wrestler there who goes 0 and 2. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, and season's over after Thursday night. And then uh, you know, I also see when I look at that quad of the bracket, uh, Zacherl, Red, Thorne, and Smith. I think all four guys have a legitimate chance of being in the quarterfinals. That Chad Red Brock Zacherl opening round bout is intriguing right because chad red is a high ceiling low basement guy right big 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 variance yep. yeah 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 and you know zacherl's wrestled the schedule in front of him and done it awfully well you know until the last match you and i had talked about this numerous times on weighing in where's he going to be seated if he goes 
28-0 instead of 27-1. What's interesting is I think him losing created the Yanni D. Dean Heil quarterfinal. Yeah, I think so as I think so as well. I think um, if he wins wins out and he comes in undefeated, he's he has to be at least six. He's at least six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that one match changed probably the whole a bunch of the quarterfinal matchups. So the top half is interesting. Yeah, I think you you know I think you could probably argue that uh, Zachary would have gone to five after Jack lost the ACC as yes. well. Yeah. So the, the maybe record. maybe higher maybe higher maybe he's maybe he's sitting in McKenna's spot but uh, right. yeah it was a costly loss for him and and conversely uh, the ACC loss really didn't seem to hurt Kevin Jack but uh, the one thing that's uh, that's fascinating there is Brent Moore and Tyler Smith if Brent Moore can get through that uh, first round match if he can knock off Tyler Smith the 12 seed yeah you'd have an ACC rematch of the match that uh, Brent Moore won in the conference finals Actually, as you point out getting tech fall. Five, six yeah. weeks earlier, right? 15-0 on, Feb- on February 16th, and then he turns around and wins it uh, at the conference tournament. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, a couple other – Kevin Jack couldn't fall that far in the seating, I think, because he had a head-to-head over Heil. So, I mean, that, I think, was his floor. Um, Penn State always has one guy that does better at nationals than they're supposed to. Is Nick Lee the guy? Can Nick Lee pull the upset – can he beat Josh Albert and Bryce Meredith and get to the semis? I wouldn't count him out. You're right. They're, you're absolutely right. They always have somebody that comes through that you're not counting on. And last year it seemed like the entire team, right. uh, you, you know, that, uh, that wrestled lights out. Um, you know, Joseph went in a tough one in the quarters against Daniel Lewis, having to come from behind, then beating Massa in the semis and knocking off Imar in the finals. And uh, Mark Hall is a five seed. Mark Hall yeah. went in it. Um, yeah, you, you, you've gotten to the point now where you expect... You expect somebody to, to start upsetting guys wearing the blue and white. Yep. And and Nick Lee seems like he's the guy that... Ha- I mean, we haven't talked about team race, but he's he's got to probably wrestle at least to a seat, if not better. Yeah, they need him. Yeah. They need him. They need some things uh, to happen where guys are going to have to overperform over their seeds to... Uh, because on paper, it looks like Ohio State, you know, with all those numbers. And the, not, not just the uh, where they're seated, but also... You know, when you've got 10 guys and, and all capable of, of certainly, you know, in my opinion, reaching the quarters and, and being on the stand, I, I don't think it's too stre- too much of a stretch to think that... Uh, they have very nine super solid... Nine that are seated seven or better. Yeah, right. And then uh, to Sean Campbell, we mentioned him. He was, he was ranked seventh at one point. Yeah. And there's upside there, and you never know if the bracket opens up. Yeah. Uh, but but you got to think that Ohio State, just from a sheer volume of matches, is going gonna, is gonna to wrestle... You know, if, if everything plays out like we think it will, Ohio State will have more matches than right. Penn State in this tournament, more chances to score bonus points. Yep. So if chalk on the bottom would be Yanni against Heil and the winner of that against Jaden. So you're talking about a bunch of interesting rematches there. Yeah, I mean, South Beach with Ironman and Yanni was, you know, one of the most entertaining matches of the year. Yanni and really controlled most of that match. Yanni controlled end. six and a half minutes of it and then just kind of panicked at the end when Ironman was going – super hard in desperation mode and and uh he made a split second lapse to shoot made a freshman mistake yep yep and uh don't i don't shoot, know don't shoot on a great counter wrestler when, yep. you're, when you're winning by three yep <laughs> and uh so he'll learn from that but yeah. uh you know that's certainly one that uh if if it goes down friday night it's one you do not want to want to miss for sure 149 zane is the one uh, Max Thompson, Buluwal, and that that little quad there, it's all Big 12 guys. Keyshawn's a 5, Blee's 12, McChrystal 13, Heilman 4, Grant Leith the 3, Donahue 11, Kalazdik, the returning All-American, uh, the 11, Justin Oliver, wild card and 6 seed, Ryan Deacon 7, uh, Jason Searches, former national champion 10, Ronnie Perry 15, and then Sorensen, one of the most consistent guys that may end up never being a national champion, is the two. Uh, really, you know, from a lack of, you know, just I don't think there's a lot of drama here in who's going to win the bracket. Uh, yeah, I think it would be the biggest upset in the tournament if Zane Rutherford didn't win this way. And I think, you know, we'll probably talk about this next week if he does, or does he rank all time in that 142, 149 conversation? Because it's got to be right near the very top. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen a guy that uh, hasn't lost 
uh, since his true freshman season in the consolation semifinals. And the guys that have beaten him, what, Steber and is it Mitchell Port? And I he think. beat Steber that one yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so and you're looking at. dominance of victories. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's just skating by winning three to two, five to three, and stuff like that. It's It's been three years of, of dominance. And, and when, when you get to the point where if you have a close match that you win and that becomes news. Like that like, it was close? That's I was pretty like that in high school. That's pretty <laughs> that's, this guy's gone to the, the highest of levels, yeah. He beats pretty amazing. seven to four and people are like, What's wrong? Like, you know, he wins the Big Tens two oh over Sorensen, super quality wrestler, escaping riding time and people are like, Zane, what's wrong? You know. Yeah, yeah, and and last year what he did in the postseason was unbelievable, you know, to bonus his way to tech or pin his way through the entire postseason. I'm not sure that I, I ever recall that happening before. Maybe Askren. Maybe Possibly. Taylor. Maybe Taylor of the year he beat Hatchet in the finals. Possibly. I think so because he scored like 28 points. Did He may have gotten a major, though, in the Big Tens that year. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But uh, nonetheless, it's, you know. It's a select it's, crowd. It's, <laughs> yeah. I don't know that um, when you're in the moment, you, you truly, totally appreciate what, what you have right now. And you look at uh, – some of the guys that, that we're enjoying in this era right now, Zane Rutherford, Isaiah Martinez, uh, Kyle Snyder. I, Isaiah Martinez has got two career losses going into his final tournament of his career. Yeah, and we you don't know? talk about yeah. him every week. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, we're not talking about him as a Hodge frontrunner right now. So that uh, we're, we're pretty blessed with the amount of star power we have, with the kind of star power we have right now. If you're looking for a dark horse – Kaladzic makes a lot of sense to me. He's been an All-American. Um, you have Justin Oliver if the seeds hold, or Sam Crevis. Oliver, obviously, <coughs> excuse me, didn't wrestle well at the uh, Max. If he were to get past that match, he's got Grant Leaf. Grant Leaf's had a great season ever since the Linwood Open, but not a proven guy, right? Not a guy that's run the gauntlet at the tournament, not a guy that maybe can ha- deal with the nerves a little better because he's had success where Kaladzic has. And, you know, that's – and, you know, a, a Princeton semifinals would, you know, you're the sultan of the storylines. I think that would be a cool one, right? So. Yep. Uh, yeah, you're, I'm with you on that one. I, I looked at the bracket and I saw Kalazic sitting there as the 11 and, and Oliver coming off a rough conference tournament. And I thought, you know what, that's a pretty good spot, uh, you and know, for Princeton right there. If you're going to a three seed, you know, a guy that's never medaled, that's about as good as you can pick, right? You know? Yeah, and, uh, you know, we're talking storylines here. How cool is it that uh, Leith and Heilman are three and four? Yeah. And, and uh, what they have overcome. I mean, you look at it a year ago, uh, where those guys, a year and a half ago, where those guys were. Yeah. And, and Leith, you know, at one point, it looks like his career might be over. Yeah. Heilman started, I think, 0 and 8 a year ago. Yeah, and, yeah uh, for sure. You know the Heilman story. I'm familiar with Lee just because he's a Carney Kansas City kid. I know his coaches, and you know, you know, he started out at Duke, and you know, his neck brace has its own Twitter account, and I mean those kind of things. Yeah. And so, yeah, 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 for sure. 157, completely fascinating weight. Now, I kept uh, Jason Nolf ranked one, but as we discussed, we knew he would not be seated one, and deservedly so. Hayden Hadley's ran the table this year. You know, so Hydley is the one in that quarter bracket. The 8-9 is Colgan Berger, who's had an interesting up-and-down year. Alec Pantaleo, 5. Fine Silver, 12. Zuberberg, 13. Josh Shields, very quiet, 29-2 and two at the 4 seed. Nolf, as we spoke, is the 3. Crone is the 14. Clay Ream, 11. That guy has a terrible draw for the 11 seed. Paul Fox and then Kemmer. Kemmer... Really got hammered for not finishing the Big Tens. And when I, I know you'll talk about this. He's a 6, Micah 7, Scheidel 10, Van Brill 15, and then at the bottom of the bracket, the 2 seed. So, you know, tell me how you see this playing out. Well, it's suddenly become one of the most fascinating weight classes, yeah, right? I mean, at the bottom, yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, 149 and, the, you know, maybe lack of sus- suspense there because of Zane Rutherford in, in 157 coming into the season or right up until the end of January or middle of January felt that way too until um, 
you know, Nolf had a close one against Pantaleo, and then all of a sudden, like Watch two takedowns. Yeah, he had to write him out in the third to win, and and all of a sudden it's like, wow, we've got. Uh, this was maybe before he was injured. Before too. he was injured, yeah, so it's like you'll need to understand that. You yeah, know, maybe maybe there, you know, there's somebody ready to step up and and at least challenge. Know, right? Yeah, yeah, at least make it. Uh, at least make it compelling, and then Nolf suffers the injury, and and uh, I don't I don't think we saw peak Jason Nolf at the Big Ten Championships, although he won by uh, fall in a major in his his two matches. It it uh, you know we're accustomed to seeing him coming out and putting up big points right away, and you know he's a little bit of a slow starter in those matches. I am interested to see, you know, given ten more days, eleven more days of uh, chance to, uh, you know, get his get his legs underneath him again and timing back and, and those sorts of things. What, uh, what type of Jason Nolf we see in this tournament, but, uh, it's, it's really interesting how this one got seated and you look down the bracket and some of the interesting first round matches, Pantaleo, Ian Brown, Pantaleo sitting there at seven and five, got off to a rough start. One of his losses early on was to Ian Brown. And that dual meet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, also, uh, uh, you mentioned, Clayton Ream as the 11 seed drawn Paul Fox <laughs> second straight year. Fox yeah. knocked him off last year when I think Reem was the six. He was the six. And he's a St. Louis kid, and he finished 33rd because he lost the pigtail match. Wow, yeah, that was yeah, the pigtail backside match. Yeah. So so yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a, a really interesting bracket to see how it plays out. I, I think you look at it, and there are now there are probably five six guys that you could see winning the whole whole thing at 157 pounds well certainly michael kemmer is a guy that we thought you know coming into the season would be the guy to challenge jason nolf he's the sixth seed you know we talk about guys that haven't got a lot of credit this year joey lavalle turning finalist beat some really good guys on his run last year he's in the dang fine uh, two seed and nobody and he lost at reno in overtime to Hydley, or he would be the one seed yeah Literally one flurry, or he'd be the one seed. Yeah, and this guy's gotten no dap, no love all year. Yeah, he, he uh, hasn't been. You know, we mentioned Imar earlier in the show, and and how guys just seem to miss him on the schedule. And and Lavalley doesn't have that long resume this year. He hasn't right. hasn't run into a lot of these top flight guys at one fifty seven. Yeah, it's gonna be fascinating. I think you know my eyeballs will be on the Nolf Kemmer quarterfinal if that happens. So sixty five. Sixty-five. And how about one other thing there? Young guns. Yeah. Four, three, four, and six seeds, yeah. all in the same training club, all trained together. So Jody Stripmatter wore one hat, another T-shirt, <laughs> and then a third uh, jacket, zip, zip jacket that he can just rotate. I think is he's probably. Move? I think his move is probably wearing the young guns gear this week. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll probably be what you see him in. He probably can get all the swag he wants with the kids he's got out there. All right, so 165, the seating, uh, you and I spoke about this. We, I want to talk about this. Imar 1, Chance Marstow are 9, Chandler Rogers 8, Marinelli 5, Wanzak 12, Campbell 13, Chad Walsh 4. Those are your seats, top half of the bracket. Chenzo goes 3, uh, Ashworth 14, Isaiah White, dangerous 11 in my opinion. Richie Lewis up from 57 is a 6 seed. Logan Massa really rounding into form is a 7. Wick is the 10. Valencia is the 15. And another very quiet, undefeated guy, David McFadden at 2. So to me, you and I spoke about this, but what was fascinating is this conference probably epitomizes more than anything the haves and the have-nots and how do you seed this. So Big Ten is stacked deep. We've talked about this, nine deep. You know, all you know, all in the top 15, 16 seeds in the country from one conference. And then you got a guy like Marstel who's forty and two. He lost to Bryce Steyer, which is kind of a bad loss, really, because Steyer's not was he was a blood round guy. And then he loses to Walsh, and so he goes to nine. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I know high school resume doesn't count, but is there a nine seed in this tournament who's a Dave Schultz award winner? You know, I mean. So, when you saw the seeds, did you what struck you? Like, well, this seems right. This seems fair. Uh, I'm a little surprised by a few things. Uh, one thing I was really interested to see was where Mar- Marinelli would fit into the bracket. Um, comes in as a five seed after finishing sixth in his conference tournament. Uh, but if you're going to wait strictly on conference tournament, then what's the what's the point of wrestling 
you know, gathering all this data during the regular season, you know, that's got to count for something. So, so I think uh, one of the takeaways is, um, you know, like we said, they docked the guys who didn't finish their conference tournament, but the guys who did, and they had a strong body of work during the regular season, they also rewarded them for that. So, so I think that that's good. I think they found a, a pretty good balance there. You know, when I, when I looked through the brackets one through 10, there weren't a whole lot of things that, that, uh, you know, in past years you could maybe identify some things that were like, man, this looks like completely out of whack. How did they get to this point? And, and this year, really not. I, in, we talked about it a week ago. Um, where would the EWL guys fall? Yeah. With Marsteller and Walsh. Uh, I think to your point, I think that that Steyert loss was, was pretty costly for Marsteller. And, and um, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any shame in losing to Bryce Steyert. But uh, when, you, when you're trying to sort out guys in, in, in a weight class like this where you, you're, you're 10, 11 deep, even further than that, I mean, you go down to Anthony Valencia as a 15 seed, as a, the yeah. two-time Pac-12 champ. I mean, the margin between these guys and trying to sort them out is so thin that, that you're, apart, you're, right? you're, you're looking for little things like that. And so I, I was probably most fascinated how 57 and 65 would, would get seeded. And, and um, this one's going to be – this one we've said it since November – is going to be, in my opinion, the most fun weight class of the tournament. It's interesting to me that Marinelli was seated over uh, Massa after losing to him twice in two days. Yep. This is the conundrum. If anybody ever wants to get in the mind of the seating committee or somebody like myself who does rankings with your assistance, how do you wait four months versus the big weekend? And you don't even wait those four months differently because, like, talk about Stevan Misich and we – Kind of put Vegas in the rearview mirror. Grant Lee, Linwood Open, rearview mirror. And then these other things go and it becomes much, much more important. You know, so, and the other thing is, sometimes schools have uh, schedules where they just don't hit certain guys. You know, and so what do you do with that? Because they wrestle a good schedule, but maybe just those teams don't have them. So this is fascinating. I thought Imarsh's approach to how he was going to win the match with Joseph was smart. But I think, obviously, maybe Vincenzo's worked on getting out in under 59 seconds. So we'll see what happens the next match. Let's jump to 74. Um, I'm going to – Zahid won Mark Hall, too. If we talk about that, two undefeated guys. Um, I don't know if the all-star counted or just number of quality wins. Brucky 16. Subject, 9. Bernstein, 8. Miles Amin, 5. Privish 12. Jacoby Smith, 13. Jordan Cutler, 4. Daniel Lewis, a very quiet 29-0 in terms of publicity, 3. Mejia's 14. Coacher, 11. Bojo, 6. Bojo's never placed worse than third at Nationals. Taylor Lujan, 7. Ethan Ramos, 10. Dylan Lighty, 15. As we mentioned, Mark Hall, 2. Zahid Valencia has probably wrestled the hardest schedule of anyone this season, in my opinion, who's undefeated. Beating everybody, especially if you count the all-star meet of Mark Hall. He's wrestled Jordan. He's wrestled Amin. He's wrestled Cutler. He's wrestled a couple of these guys multiple times. Oh, Jordan, Lujan. Yeah, all yep. of Yeah, I mean, it's it's scary. He deserves to be the one seed. Daniel Lewis, another guy that wrestles a little bit like Spencer Lee. Not you know, gets a takedown early, rides really tough, gets turns, but sometimes has stamina issues in the third period. To me, the Lewis Bojo match is interesting. And, you know, the winner of that versus Hall, you know, obviously if seeds hold, that's pretty fascinating. You know, Zahid feels like he's going to come out of the top half of that bracket after what he's, you know, after he did to Cutler in the duel and how he's wrestled to mean. How do you see this, you know, uh, playing out? It's going to be awesome. Uh, it's going <laughs> to be a lot of fun. It, you know, one thing, Zahid's given up a couple takedowns here recently. He gave up a couple of the Pac-12s and, and maybe not uh, peak Zahid yet. Right. Uh, but I think that there was probably some reasons for that in terms of training and, and getting him ready for this rather than the Pac-12s. Uh, so that's uh, – I'm with you there. I mean, he's just got so many ways to score, so much offense that um, he's going to be a really, really tough out, you know, coming you know, for anybody on the top side of that bracket. The bottom side feels like it's a little bit more uh, open, but, um, man, Mark Hall's a winner. He is a winner. You don't and bet against Mark Hall in March. It's uh, yeah. 
you know, so many different ways to win for him. I mean, he's got attacks that he can go to. He can go get points when he needs to go get points. When you're trying to get points and you're coming his to him, are his, his, um, his defense to offense is as good as, you know, maybe there is in the world. Uh, you know, just watching him at the Junior World Championships, some of the positions that he would get in, guys would get in so deep on shots, and you think there is no way Mark Hall is getting out of this. And he scores, and, on, and he scores on them. And the, yeah. look, the look on the faces of some of those foreigners uh, after they wrestled him and after you know, they were in positions. I think of the Iranian at the Junior World Championships. I think it was in the semis. This guy was in so deep on a shot, and, and Mark scrambled and countered him for two. And he got in again and and again and by like the third or fourth attack the guy got in and just started hanging like trying like i don't want to move i'm just going to shoot not to get scored on really really effective counter offense is demoralizing you know it's in my you know my dad again he would teach you that you know you you stop that guy's best shot that's that's probably one of the 10 shane sparks commandments i'm sure somewhere in there maybe eight or nine <laughs> so um but yeah it's you, you if that guy stops you he stops your best attack your go-to attack, your money attack, and you walk him back to the middle, you're like, how am I going to beat this guy? How am I going to beat this guy? Because that's my move. That's my hold. You know, that's my, my setup. So um, we could get headgear gate, too, in the finals, right, if uh, the seeds hold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, I think Mark, if memory serves me correct, I had a chance to talk to Mark Hall up at the Intermat JJ Classic uh, last fall up in many, uh, up in Rochester, Minnesota. He was up there as a featured clinician and – Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was telling me then, if memory serves me correct, that's the first time that he's beaten Zahid, and they go way back. So yeah, so and, that's and, and what world silver medalist versus world gold medalist, yep, right? Yep. Yeah. So fascinating stuff, like you said, that era of greatness is interesting. Eighty-four, Bo Nickel the one, Ellingwood sixteen, Max Dean sneaky nine, sneaky nine in my opinion. Drew Foster eight, Abinader very consistent guy who's never meddled. Another St. Edwards guy is the five seed. Bryce Carr, 12. Stephen Schneider, 13. Pete Renda, 4. Ryan Price, 3. Nick Gravina, 14. Ricky Robertson, 11. Zach Savatsky, 6. Taylor Venz, 7. Emery Parker, 10. Canton Marriott, 15. Miles Martin's the 2. So some interesting things to play out here. Um, you've got a dangerous guy. Max Dean's a really dangerous guy, 28-3 and three. Uh, freshman. I'm sure he'll be nervous, but, you know, he's got a brother that's, you know, done the deal. Um, you know, he's at nine. Avenatter, a lot of these guys that have never placed before, there's a lot more pressure. Like, people go, oh, okay, he's a senior, he's at home. That might be the worst thing for him. Like, you know, if he was out of Cal Poly wrestling or, you know, someplace completely away from Ohio. But you know, obviously, Michigan wrestled really well at the Big Tens. He's a story to watch. I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you real quick, sure. David. Anybody coming to town? Anybody coming to Cleveland? I'm gonna give a shout to the Abinators, the Abinator family. Dominic Abinator's family owns a little uh, restaurant. Let's co- make him a couple, some money. A couple blocks <laughs> from where we're staying here at the Hilton, uh, called Carl's. Carl's Inn. Um, Shane Sparks and I went in there for lunch the other day. They recognized Shane. He's the uh, Shane's he's a legend. The, he's the celebrity of this this tandem here, and uh, so they it's recognized the, it's the hair. They recognized him, <laughs> and uh, we got to talking to him. It's it's uh, family owned. Um, Dominic uh, Dominic's dad and his uncle. Uh, I think his uncle owns this one, but they they own some uh, businesses, some restaurants cool. around town. We we stopped in. The burger was great. Shane had uh, I can't remember what Shane had, but. Uh, uh, cheesecake was phenomenal as well. The great guys. We uh, sat around talking wrestling with them for uh, well, probably about a half hour or so, uh, you know, throughout our meal. So if you get a chance, stop in. Uh, What's it called? Stop Car- into Carl's Inn. Carl's um, Inn. All it, right. Uh, uh, it's a couple blocks away from the Hilton here, uh, uh, downtown, not far from uh, uh, where the Browns play, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, all this stuff here by the lake. So. It's a cool setup, yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, to your point, yeah, it's uh, it'll be uh, interesting to see how how Dom Abinader handles uh, coming home, having a chance to be on the podium, uh, his last go around here. Uh, certainly, a guy that uh, is is capable of going really deep in the bracket. He's a guy that uh, 
has given Bo Nickel his toughest match of the season. In the final minute uh, in that dual meet, had a uh, couple instances in there where I think both of us thought that they the were takedowns. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. And, uh, and they're not going to hold the brick back here. Nope. You know, especially you get, with yep. that guy, because those are huge bonus points there, yep. or advancement points rather. Yeah. Yep. But uh, the other one potentially that uh, could could be really interesting to see in this is if we get a Thursday night Vens Parker matchup. Yeah. Because those two matches this year have been wild. Entertaining for sure. Yeah, and then if if Emery Parker can find a way to sneak through that a potential uh, quarterfinal with Miles Martin Friday morning, a rematch of I'm sure that'd last be year's. Lo- low-scoring match. Last year's Thursday night <laughs> match where uh, Parker bounced Miles Martin into consolations. One of the things I said to you, I can't remember I said it on or off air, was I think Miles Martin's going to get one win against Bo Nickel this year. I'm starting to waver on that, you know. Um, but Miles Martin has gotten it done and has, hasn't gotten done in the biggest match and against that guy. And so, you know, he seems like a guy – whose confidence level can stay even if he's, you know, had, you know, some, you know, some, some matches that haven't looked great for him. So yeah, th- this is an interesting way to a big, big, big wait for the team race, you know, cause it feels like they're probably going to finish, but nobody knows the order of the finals, but you know, Kuhn Snyder makes as much sense as anything. So this match could be very, very pivotal in, in deciding the team race. So a couple other, you know, things that sort of jump out to me a little bit here is, you know, Keegan Moore finally seemed to get it together at the Big 12s. He's a dangerous dude for Renda right out of the gate. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Ken Marriott from Zeus had a pretty quiet, uh, solid year as the 15 seed. So he doesn't have a great second-round draw, but might be able to do some damage on the backside. We jumped to 97, and this is probably the toughest weight in terms of seeding. One of the things I do is put the seeds next to our rankings and then rankings from several other sources that I recommend. This one had the widest variance. You and I have spoken about this. It's the most. It's been the craziest wait all year. And I don't think it's crazy because it's great yet. I mean, maybe these guys will end up being great, but right now there's a lot of inconsistency. Colin Moore, the, the returning third-place guy, got the one seed. Preston Weigel, after losing in the Big 12 semis, goes to nine. Nate Rodert, the winner of the Big 12, goes to eight. Shakur Rashid, Big 10 runner-up, gets five. <coughs> Excuse me, Stephen Lewisow, the 12. Jared uh, Kaznick, the 13. Machiavello, the four. Jared Haught, the three. Wilkie, 14. Grigo, 11. Miklas, six. Mattie, seven. Scotty Boykin, 10. Matt Williams, 15. Your guy that probably ended up winning you the picks. On our contest, Mr. Darmstead, the two. Jumped out to me was, I thought Darmstead deserved the one seed. He avenged his only loss. But again, it was probably a strength of schedule thing because he just hasn't hit a lot of these top guys. It is hard to see Colin Moore get the one seed with two losses. I don't mean this anyway sarcastically because this actually happened to me my sophomore year when I won state. One of his losses was to a JV guy. You know, he's now not even, you know, starting when it comes tournament time. And then I think... Asterisk. The other, yeah. Right. JV guy, when you say <laughs> JV guy, we're, we're talking about a guy that... Um, he's legit. You know, and Anthony Kassar, if he's in this bracket, he's... he's he might you know, be seated higher than Rashid. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Weigel losing in the Big 12, upset the apple cart. And then I think what's interesting is that hot Miklas possible quarterfinal. We watched that match. At least I, I know we both did separately. Haw was dominating that match, trying to chase down bonus points to try to win the dual meet, and ends up getting uh, pinned in a high flyer. And he was buried. He was definitely pinned. But, you know, that could be a rematch that could go the other direction. You've described this weight as colorfully as anybody I've heard or talked to. What are your thoughts on the seeds and what's going to play out here? I fully expect that this one uh, will be bonkers. I mean, this – but – you know, then again, we may look up and it's it's, it's one chalk. one four, <laughs> three two, and on uh, Friday night. So I don't know. I th- I think there are a lot of guys. You know, maybe make good segue for fantasy grade right here. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> that's right. A lot of value in your your fantasy pool, right? I yeah, mean, and, they, and you know, when you're doing these fantasy pools, whether it's you know the the wraparound ones or the auction ones, you're looking for inefficiencies. And in, in fantasygrade.com, they have all that data there. They have everybody's rankings, and they also have the seeds, so you can look that stuff up. 
And all you have to do is go to fantasygrade.com. You can enter the live event. You can enter the online event. And what they're doing is they're crowning national champions. The online guy is the individual national champion. And then the live one's the team. So there's going to be a team and individual national champion. They're giving out national championship fantasy trophies. It's a really cool thing what they're doing. Christian Thompson over there at fantasygrade.com doing a great job. So visit his site. Get in, get enrolled or get a, get a team, either the online or live event or both. You can do multiple entries. Really a cool way to watch the tournament. And it's really a good way. Like if you believe that XYZ guy is going to do better, it's a chance to really kind of prove it. Like, hey, I, I know I watch these matches. I got a feeling, yeah, you know, so-and-so be such-and-such, but I think he's going to turn the tables. So it's a really it's a really cool thing. This is one where, you know, I think basically from Thursday morning on, it's going to there, there are going to be upsets left and right at 197 because we've, we've seen it all year. I mean, it's like – you know, Wilkie sitting there at a 14 seed was, you know, we had him ranked two after Midlands. Yeah, we, it felt because, too high, but he deserved it. At that yeah, time. I mean, he was unde- he was undefeated at that point, had a win over Matty Ace, who had a win over Darmstead, who had just beaten um, Miklas. Yeah. And, and also Wilkie had beaten Warner, who had beaten Miklas. And so, you know, now he's gone through a little bit of a slide here in the second half, but he was around a 12 guy. Uh, a year ago and in some of these other guys i mean you know rocco kwood i think has been ranked like right around 10 at one point in his career at, at some point um jake smith uh has been ranked i think you know maybe yeah. even as high as top five yeah um so i think that you know their brucky was a top recruit a year ago i mean you look at some of these dan shade as a non-seed, had a, had a win over Miklas when he was ranked two. Um, just up and down the bracket, I mean, there are there are guys that I I look at this and you know if I'm putting a team together for a fantasy pool, I I don't know that I'm investing a lot of my points or a high draft pick. Are you looking for value here? Yeah, you're looking for I, a certainly. guy to come off the back of the pack. What's, I laugh when you said Brucky. He wrestled in Border Brawl. He shook my hand. <laughs> He's a nice kid. You know, I, I still work out. <laughs> Damn near crushed all my fingers. Yeah. And uh, Dubuque was there laughing because I think he saw me make a face. You know, so I also think Preston Weigel could wreck some brackets here. Yeah. I mean, because his style, I think he knows how to wrestle rotor. They've wrestled. And his style could really, it's going to be where that Colin Moore match goes if he gets by rotor. But Weigel's really good on top. And Colin Moore's not good on bottom. Ohio State's got some bottom problems with Micah and him. Some, you know, and if Weigel could get a first takedown, that could be a long day. You know, because Weigel could either pick top or pick bottom and get out because Moore doesn't really ride, and Moore's going to have to pick neutral. He picks neutral against most guys, so that's that'll be fascinating. We'll finish up at 285 and then talk a little bit about the team race. 285, I think if, if you've got somebody besides Snyder, Coon, three, I would love to hear the what and the why. <laughs> so um, you would officially be the smartest person in Cleveland if you correctly predicted that. Um, I, some other guy, the 8-9 matchup here, Derek White, Tanner Hall, really good one. Sam Stoll is the 5. Jacob Casper's the 4, so we could see a Stoll-Casper quarterfinal. Nick Nevels is 3. Boykin is 14. Boykin had a really good uh, Southern scuffle, so that could be an interesting match. Mike Hughes is the 11. Coach Papadatis looking to get him on the uh, podium and get some Mardesi, who's had a really good year. Nathan Butler, 7. Jordan Wood, 10. Thomas Haynes, 15. Kuhn, 2. I think for the you know the fans that are really you know following you know maybe the second-tier guys, the guys like Derek White, who isn't you know seated in the top eight, a guy like Michael Bo- – uh, I'm sorry, uh, Michael Hughes, who's 11 seed uh, – and then Boykin, Michael Boykin as well from NC State. Some of these guys, I think, have a chance to get at the, on the you know bottom half of the podium, don't you? Well, Boykin's got a win over Nevels. And Hughes, 34-3, and three, tougher than nails on top. Um, a lot of bonus wins, too. For this me. feels to me a, a little bit like 97 after you take Snyder and Kuhn out of the equation. The perfect way to say it, yeah. Because it, it could be chaos after three through eight. Because yeah. there's guys, there are guys in here with big, you know, I shouldn't say bigger resumes, but but lengthy track records of success that that and are big wins, yeah. that are low seeds. I mean, 
or, or non-seeds. I mean, Hino as, as a non-seed, a guy that's wrestled in world championship events. Um, Garrett Ryan has had a long and, and um, pretty consistent career. Uh, Streck as a non-seed is a, is a high upside freshman. Um, you know, go on down, you know, even, even like I said, the low seeds, you know, non-seed Corey Gilliland, Daniel, a uh, guy that uh, impressed me. Um, you know, when I got a chance to watch him in person in December and then looking at, uh, you know, certainly guys like Hamida, Billy Miller, um, you know, we mentioned Boykin and Hughes, uh, get a chance to watch Amar Desi at the PAC 12s. He was the OW there. Looked really impressive. Uh, Russell Butler and Hall or excuse me, Russell Butler after, uh, Butler beat Hall. Yeah. And, uh, controlled the match there. So, you know, Thomas Haynes, a 15 seed, uh, I think that this one could, and especially just the the nature of heavyweight too, where one move one, goes a long yep, way. Yep, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. You know, we didn't talk about uh, Derek White so much, but uh, he's, I watched Derek White at Big Twelves. Very impressive. Oklahoma State's very high on him. Uh, the the terms that we're throwing around with him is skilled, very skilled. Knows how to wrestle. Is starting to figure out how to wrestle heavyweight every week, and they understood like, hey, we're kind of tied. To Mike Hughes because we lost him early in the year, so we know we're not going to be seated super high. But depending on our draw, we like we really like where we are. So this leads us to the team race, Andy. And obviously, you know, I think it's it's been a two race, two team race all year. When you start looking at Penn State scored 145, 145 and a half points last year, and it feels like they're going to need to score that many again to win it. I think so. I mean, I think. Ohio State can put that up, especially when you start factoring bonus. You know, you look at our rankings, but then you obviously had to add bonus points on. So to me, the key guys for Penn State, Nick Lee's got to get on the podium and in the top six. They obviously need Zane to do his thing. They need Chenzo to make the finals at least. They need Nolf to be Nolf. If Nolf is Nolf, doesn't matter where he's seated, he's the best guy. You know, Mark Hall again, you know, feel, you know he's got to be 1A or 1B. Bo Nichols got to win. And Nick Neville's and they have, you know, 97 and heavy, they have guys that are in that mix that could go anywhere from three to losing the round of 12. They have a team, they're a team that's perf- consistently overperformed at this tournament, or at least met expectations. And obviously we've talked about the strength and numbers of Ohio State. It's interesting, though, they, we talked about them a week ago. They had no number one seeds. Now they have two, you know, 97 and, and heavyweight. So... I know you're not a prediction guy. Let, let me ask you this. Are the finals deci- is is the team race decided going into Saturday night or is it still up for grabs? I think it's it'll still be up for grabs. I really do, but I think uh Well, yeah, I, I think it will. I think it'll be close. I think um Cuz Penn State will have so many guys who could still score those four more points for them, right? Yeah, I think so. I think they'll have um they'll have at least a couple they could in have four opinion. or five yeah, in the yep, finals. Yeah, game. absolutely. And it feels like Ohio State could have three at least. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I think it's – I would say this. I think it's in Ohio State's hands. If if they wrestle lights out and Penn State wrestles lights out, I think Ohio State wins. Ohio State's got a higher ceiling. They've got a, they've got a higher ceiling, I think. Um, certainly, though, there are more uh, – there are more guys that you, you look at on in that Penn State lineup that are – you know, high, high probabilities of being there Saturday night. Uh, but, um, man, it's, it, it, I think what we're going to look up Saturday night and see is the team that is, is holding the second place trophy is the best second place team in NCAA history. I, I think, uh, what's the record right now for, for 120, 125 and a yeah, half yeah, for right. Iowa, yeah. I think in, in, 2011 or 2001 if, yeah. if I'm not mistaken might be the most points ever scored I think it is. That's correct. Um, yeah. by a runner-up team so um, I, I would suspect that we'll have two teams over 130 points when it's when it's all said and done Saturday night I, I think I, I in fact I wouldn't even be surprised if we see two teams upwards of 140 how about you I think the first team to 145 wins it yeah I think so. I mean, because I, you know me, you know, I, I nerd out. So I got done with my fantasy or or, uh, all, or charity event with uh, with Extreme Couture GI Foundation and packing the bags and going through everything. 
and just sort of nerded out about this. And yeah, when you start guesstimating bonus points, yeah, I think I think the first team to hits one forty five wins. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. And then and we have really good teams like Michigan and Missouri and these other it's schools. Absolutely crazy. You could score 140-plus 100, points and not win an NCAA title, right? Yeah. And, 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 but I and, think that's a legit possibility. Yes. And I, we haven't figured this out. Maybe you have. I haven't had a chance to look, but I'm pretty sure I probably owe you a plate of chicken wings for our all-improvement team. So uh, you, we'll, we'll probably talk about that next week when we figure it all out. But it's going to be fascinating. It's bonkers. It's Christmas. It's Christmas for us wrestling fans. You know, you you do a great job of helping me with the rankings when it gets tough to sort it out. And, uh, you know, people should also understand that rankings are not predictions. Yeah. And even and seating should not be predictions. It's what you think these guys have earned. Up to this point. Yes. Yep. Yes. So, so David, how about who you got three and four in the team race? Who, who do you see winning trophies? Michigan, Missouri. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. I think they, they have a lot of guys. They have uh, some some floors there, right? Like Kuhn's probably going to be, you know, second at worst. Misik's probably going to be second at worst. Pantaleo's going to be fifth or sixth at worst. You know, they, they've got, you know, Miles Amin that did it, you know, went really high last year, took fourth. Um, you know, Abinader. Massa, like Abinader. Yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, and, and Beasley, Beasley hurts them, obviously. Um, and you know, A little bit, but, yeah, I mean – he wasn't like a guy. He was a lottery ticket. I mean, you know, as a he's a free roll. Yeah, he's done it before. exactly. I yeah. mean, he, he's a guy that could have been on the the stand, but um, probably would have been seated somewhere. I think probably around 14, 13, 14, somewhere in there. I would guess. Yeah, and and look, I'm not a Missouri homer, but people have been critical of their schedule. But they've wrestled who they had in front of them. They've done a great job, and they've got big points with guys like Ironman, Ernesty seated high, Grant Leith is seated high. I mean, the, their problem is some. Of, if you were criticizing them. Some of their high seed guys haven't done it before, but Ironman has, Lavalley has, Daniel Lewis has. So they've got guys that have done it. And Jaden Ironman scores a ton of points. The guy might take fifth and still score 15, 18 points for that team. So, you know, or he could win the dang thing, you know. I mean, his match against Dean Heil might have been the most shocking match I've watched all year. Literally just, I mean, it, it's – I, maybe Kuhn beating Snyder the first time. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, just, just sh- I mean, because those two matches were. In hindsight, you go, I maybe should have seen the Kuhn match coming. The Ironman match was just like, wow, in Stillwater, he won every scramble and he won every scramble big. So, you know, but I mean, it, it's. It's going to be fun, fun and probably be a battle. Virginia Tech had a great ACC tournament. They got guys coming on now, and that team is going to be really good. They are young and good. So, the trophy race in itself, I think, is going to be. You know, the you know we've been talking all year. Ohio State, Penn State, Penn State, Ohio State. They're on a plane by themselves. It, it's felt like all year. Uh, with the exception of maybe that that dual meet with Ohio State and Michigan that was close. Right. Uh, but. Um, but I think, you know, I I think the race for trophies is going to be as entertaining as as the race for the team title, because I think I think you've got six, seven, eight teams that that will be in the mix to take home a trophy. I, th- I think it's going to be back and forth, and and which team can get one guy to overperform, or or which team uh, drops has a guy that drops the ball a little bit. It's going to sort it out. I will say this: if Penn State wins it. I, my prediction is Nick Lee will have been in the top five. I'm, I can see that happening. Yeah, I, I think I think you're spot on with that, and I think uh, they're going to need him to come through, and I think he's capable of doing so. Yeah, they always have one guy. He, he's or maybe not, Shakur Rashid is going to be somewhere yeah. high up on that podium too. Yeah, but he's seated five, so yep. he sort of has to be there. But like like Lee, I think he'll have to exceed expectations a little. I just want to thank you. The last couple of years. You've helped me see wrestling in a new light. You know, the stories. Um, I've looked at wrestling my whole life as either an athlete or as a coach trying, you know, to help athletes in the specifics and, you know, left hand and right hand and lead legs and all these kind of things. And you have such a grasp of the big picture and, and, and of the sport and what the sport does for, for for people and society and how people come together and root for teams. So I, I'm – it's been my pleasure to do these podcasts with you, and it's been an even greater pleasure of mine to, to consider you a friend. 
Likewise, David, it's been a blast. You've uh, your insight and uh, your commitment and, and loyalty that you've brought to us at Track Wrestling greatly appreciated, and uh, uh, certainly uh, appreciate everything you've done um, to, to compile rankings and bring us uh, really compelling interest interviews. Uh, each and every week on Matt Chat and, and weighing in as well. So thank you so much. Glad to have you alongside here in Cleveland and looking forward to a fun three days getting going on Thursday. Can't wait to sit down with you and watch this thing unfold. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Maricatani with Matt Chat, special NCAA edition with my guy Andy Hamilton. Thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy the tournament. We'll speak to you all next week.